Welcome to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Every week, we'll be talking shop with lacrosse goalies, coaches, and special guests. This is the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. Now your host, Coach Damon Wilson. Uh, yeah! Ladies and gentlemen, goalies, coaches, parents, welcome. This is the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast. And I'm your host, Coach Damon Wilson. And this is the podcast for everything related to lacrosse goalies. So I hope you're in the right spot. And this week, we have another interview with another star of our game, and that is the great Drew Adams, another goalie making the move to the premier lacrosse league Before that, Drew enjoyed a successful career in Major League Lacrosse, being the owner of an MLL championship, a four-time MLL All-Star, and voted Goalie of the Year 2011, 2012, and 2015. A three-time Goalie of the Year, including back-to-back seasons, I think we've got a thing or two we can learn from Drew. He also played with Team USA, in 2014, winning a silver medal. In this conversation with Drew, we touch on a number of great goalie topics, including how he got his start in middle school, how he uses his his tall, lanky frame to help him in goal, and how his style of play developed as he progressed through each level, why he still watches a lot of lacrosse goalies, how he adjusts his play depending upon how he's feeling, and his specific goalie drills that he uses to get better. So a lot of great material in this conversation with Drew, and I hope you enjoy. Before we get started with this conversation with Drew, I want to read a word from our sponsor, and that is my own online Lax Goalie Rat camp. I just hit publish on a brand new module within the camp that's 19 new training videos I brought up the camera to field a private goalie training session that I had with a 16-year-old junior in high school working to earn himself a starting role for his team. And I'm calling the module the backyard training session because as you see in this series of videos, we don't even use a goal. We just grabbed a little piece of free field. So this is something that you could do in your backyard today to improve your goalie game. In this module, you'll see the dynamic warm-up I recommend for goalies. You'll see tons of drills that emphasize proper save technique. You'll see drills that really focus on hand-eye coordination, which is an important piece for us goalies. And finally, tons of drills that increase a goalie's explosiveness to the shot. So this is the type of training I wish I had when I was learning the position. And if you're looking for a training plan to execute with your son or your daughter in the backyard today, this is it. You can check it out at laxgoalierat.com slash goal. That's laxgoalierat.com slash goal. All right, my next guest, Drew Adams. He might need no introduction. Uh, Penn State University, three-time MLL Goalie of the Year with the New York Lizards, tons of all-star teams, Team USA, newest member of the PLL. Drew, welcome to the show. Ah, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Yeah, absolutely. I always, always love to start at the beginning. So what, why did you become a goalie? Uh, when, when was it at that young age that, or what was it at that young age that really attracted you to stepping in between the pipes? Yeah, so I had um, I'd always been pretty active in sports growing up and um, had, had actually played um, hockey before lacrosse, and I was, I was a goalie in hockey. And uh, when I had started playing lacrosse, I played uh, out in the field as a, as a midfielder, a little a little attack, um, and had kind of always been interested in, in playing goalie, but, um, but the opportunity didn't really present itself um, early on. And uh, a little bit later in my career, um, in my eight, eighth grade year um, in middle school, um, our goalie on the team had gotten hurt at the beginning of the season, and um, we didn't have anyone else backing him up to step in. So um, kind of used that as my opportunity to uh, volunteer for the position and um, kind of take my my um, 
you know, skills that I had developed in, in hockey and, and try and transition them over into lacrosse a little bit. So, uh, you know, kind of ran with the opportunity from that point, you know, played that season in goal and really enjoyed it and decided to concentrate on that um, moving forward. That's awesome. So probably if you had that, that ice hockey goalie experience, you were kind of used to, used to rubber projectiles coming your way, huh? And maybe you weren't so afraid yeah. at the very beginning. Yeah, I mean, you get um, there's there's definitely some similarities in in the position in terms of you know tr- tracking the puck or tracking the ball, hand eye coordination, and kind of the role you play within the team. Um, you know, I'd I'd be lying if I said uh, I was prepared, you know, to get hit in the shin without any pads for the first time. Um, that's, that's not something uh, that's easy to get used to, but um, yeah, I think in terms of, uh, you know, carrying over some of the skills that I developed in hockey and, um, you know, being able to ch- transition into the, the position in lacrosse was, uh, was, was more seamless because of my past experience. Yeah, that's great. And was it something for you that, you know, you just kind of gradually got better and better? Or was there one specific, as you progressed through youth and high school and up to college, or was there one specific like camp or one specific season that that was really like an aha moment in terms of advancing your your goalie career yeah that's that's a good question i I think it was a a really just kind of a combination of um you know uh time spent playing um i think i had kind of uh, some some natural abilities um you know due to my frame being kind of a tall lanky guy having a little athleticism from other sports that i've played so when i first started I, i was pretty raw but was able to, you know, do pretty well. Um, not great, but, but well enough. Um, and then, you know, combining that with some more formal coaching and, uh, being exposed to some great coaches, um, from my area where I grew up in in Springfield outside of Philadelphia. Um, I think starting in the eighth grade and then, you know, moving into high school, um, you know, just, just being around people that have played the position in the past, um, you know, and could lend some good advice, uh, you know, it was really um, influential in, in, in my development and kind of transitioning from just like, you know, more of a raw um, player at the position to actually having, you know, some good fundamental skills that I that I could build off of. Yeah. So they taught you, you know, the basics, the stance, the arc, the, the basic save movement, like that, that type of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, that that was some of it. Um, you know, I think. I had a, a coach, um, his name was Kevin Keenan. He had graduated from my high school and actually had went on to play at Penn state and then played, uh, on the, on the Philly barrage for a number of years. And he was, he was local and he would come to practice and, uh, you know, help my, help me and, and some of the other goalies that were around my age. And I remember learning, um, a lot, a lot from him early on. And then as I, you know, started to focus more on the position and, kind of uh set my sights on you know playing um you know getting better and and playing at a higher level i started to go to some camps and uh i used to go to brian dockerty's uh camp back in uh in the philadelphia area when i was you know eighth ninth tenth grade and you know that was a great opportunity to you know just focus on my game and not only learn from doc but all the other coaches that were there um you know meet my peers, guys that I'd be playing, you know, with and against for a number of years uh, through high school and club lacrosse in the area, um, you know. So it was a combination of, you know, uh, a, took a took a village to kind of get me to a point where I was playing well. Nice, nice. You met you mentioned kind of having a tall, lanky style, even even maybe as a youth. Maybe you could elaborate a little more on exactly, you know, how you do, you would describe your style of goalie play. Yeah, well, I, I am like a, I'm a big believer that there's not a, a right or wrong way to play. I think, uh, you know, goalies come in all different shapes and sizes. And uh, ultimately, uh, you know, as you're, um, you know, kind of developing your, your individual style of play, you, you've got to identify your, you know, your strengths and play towards them. Um, you know, so for me, uh, you know, I, I was tall and lanky and pretty quick and had good hands. So, I started to, you know, develop a style, you know, around those strengths. Um, you know, I, I played a little bit more of a, um, 
know, an aggressive style of play when I was younger. I think that was a carryover from hockey as well, you know, coming out, challenging shooters a little bit more, um, you know, maybe baiting shooters at, at times to shoot to certain spots and taking it away. Um, you know, and I think the ability to do that at times, you know, uh, w- was given because of, you know, my frame and being able to, you know, use my, my long arms and legs to, you know, make some, um, you know, less traditional type of saves. Um, so, you know, regardless of, you know, whether you're built like me or however you're built, I think my advice for goalies, you know, as they're developing their games is just to, you know, figure out where your strengths are and, and, and really try and, you know, kind of maneuver your game and develop your game um, to, to work towards them. Yeah, it's great advice. Great advice. And there's so many different professional goalies who have different styles, you know, um, so you can find any goalie that matches your style and sort of emulate how they play, how they operate. That's what I love about yeah, this game. I, yeah, me, me too. There's, there's really not a right or wrong way to do it. Um, you know, I, I, I do a lot of coaching and usually what I try and tell the kids, um, is, you know, there's a, maybe a few non-negotiables that most, most guys, uh, you know, are doing, but, um, a, a lot of, um, you know, it is, it's kind of, uh, up, up to each individual. Um, and one, one thing I did a lot as a, as a kid during, you know, this, uh, stage in my career was just watch other goalies. Um, you know, I, I take, know certain pieces of every goalie that I would be able to watch and say oh I like the way he does this you know I'll, I'll try to do it that way or I, I like the way this guy does this let me see if that that works for me and you know sometimes it worked and it was comfortable and sometimes it wasn't but it was definitely um as as I you know as it still is with me there's a lot of trial and error um you know I, I am always trying to you know learn something new or try different technique I've, I've always tried to be open to changing my style and evolving and, and not just playing one way, you know, regardless of, of the scenario. Yeah. When you were learning from those different goalies, like, like who did you learn from and, and what specifically, if you remember, did, you know, did you take from, from their game? Yeah. Well, I, I mentioned uh, coach Kevin Keenan, you know, he was kind of the architect of like this, the real fundamentals for me, um, you know, how far to have your feet, where to have your hands on your stick uh, you know, kind of gave me that good foundation to, to build my game off of, um, you know, and then Doc played totally different style, um, you know, where he, he plays, uh, you know, much more aggressive in terms of kind of flipping the script and going on the, you know, on the off offensive against shooters and giving them certain spots and taking them away and kind of playing that, that mental game that takes place, uh, you know, a game, the game within the game almost. So I, I learned that aspect from him. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, guys I was able to watch, um, I, I, I watched, uh, you know, Tillman Johnson growing up and, you know, the national championship that he won at Virginia and the way that he played, um, you know, not only in, in that final four, but, you know, throughout the course of that season times, I was able to see his games or, um, you know, see pictures and whatever I was, um, you know, however I was consuming content at that point, um, uh, Brian Carcaterra, I was a big fan of early in my career. He played just, you know, super athletic, kind of crazy style. Um, but it was fun to watch. And I remember, you know, kind of getting excited watching him play because of how much fun he seemed to be having uh, in the goal. And then um, lastly, I, I, you know, when I got to Penn State, I had a um, really good goalie coach, Guy Van Arsdale, who had been a goalie at Hobart, and was super successful as a player. And he kind of, you know, refined everything that I had been doing to that point, um, you know, because uh, I had, had played a little bit different of a style in high school than I than I played at Penn State. And uh, he was really responsible for, you know, kind of putting the pieces together and, you know, making me um, more efficient and ultimately, you know, uh, you know allowing me to have the, the necessary skills to play at a higher level. Yeah. What about as you went into the pro ranks? Did your did your game sort of evolve, and have you learned new things even even then? Oh, absolutely. I think um, you know every stage in your career, you, you kind of have to evolve, or you'll you'll get left behind just because you know the guys you're playing against are getting so much better. And yeah. the MLL is you know kind of uh, you know it's just a, it's a constant battle. It's it's 
you know, always, always trying to stay one step ahead. And, um, you know, the competition is just so strong, not only, you know, for spots as goalies, since there's such a limited number of uh, available spots, but, you know, being able to perform when you are given the opportunity, um, you know, you, you need to be able to play well or someone's going to take your spot. So I think the MLL is, you know, figuring out how to deal with the speed, how to deal with the consistency amongst players. Everyone on the field is a threat. Um, you know, the shot clock, you're seeing shots on almost every possession. So, you know, you've got to, got to be comfortable seeing a lot of rubber. Um, you know, and I think for me, I, I've kind of taken this hybrid style where I'll, I'll, you know, play differently depending on the talent feeling that day or who we're playing. Um, and I think that's helped me be successful just because, um, you know, I've been comfortable being uncomfortable and being, um, you know, able to kind of change my game depending on the scenario. That's an interesting point. We, t- we talked about like different goalies can have different styles, but even the same goalie can have a different style depending on how you're feeling that day. So I imagine like if you're really seeing it, you know, you're really feeling on, you might challenge shooters a little bit more like that type of thing. Yeah, totally. Um, or even the opposite. I mean, I think, um, you know, I, I put a lot of value in consistency and, uh, you know, I think in order to be consistent over a long period of time, you have to be open to doing some different things. Um, and yeah, that, that's a good example. I mean, if, and it's one of the hardest things to deal with in our position because there's days where, you know, you feel unstoppable and then there's days where you feel, you know, like you, you should be, you know, watching from the sideline cause you just aren't seeing yeah. the ball. And, and that's, that's inevitable. I mean, that, that it happens to everyone at every level. Um, and learning how to deal with that and get through that, I think is, is, is what's important. And, you know, your example, a day where, you know, you're seeing the ball really well, you know, might be playing more aggressive and, you know, that's, that's a good example. I, I would even flip that at times and say, you know, when I'm seeing the ball well, I'll actually play a little bit less aggressive and, and sit back a little bit further just because I'm feeling more comfortable seeing the ball. And so I'll give myself a little more time to, you know, make the save with my, my hands and my stick. Um, versus times when, you know, I'm not seeing the ball, I'll actually play more aggressive in hopes that, you know, I'll get hit or I'll force the shooter into a bad shot. Um, but that's, again, that's different for every guy. So, um, you know, that's just, that's just kind of personally how, how I've looked at, you know, um, that, that scenario. Yeah. What, what do you do sticking with that theme? What do you do on those days when, when you just don't have it? Or like you start a game and you give up the first five goals. Like what, what is your approach to getting back on track? Yeah, I think, I mean, honestly, those days probably happen more often than the great days. Um, you know, so having a kind of a game plan around that, I think one is having some perspective. You know, the first time that happens, it's hard to dig yourself out of that hole. But at, at this stage of my career, I've had so many games like that that it you know it's it's not um it's not anything new that i haven't dealt with before so that that always helps um you know finding ways to contribute um in other ways but you know outside of just making saves right maybe getting a little more active out of the goal picking off the pass you know communicating a little bit more to the defense um you know getting a, a gb on a, on a scrum near the goal you know anything that you can do to kind of get yourself into the game uh, and then really just concentrating on, you know, making the next save and, and not thinking past that. Um, you know, oftentimes all it really takes is one. And from that point, you just, you build on it. Um, that's, I think the first save in every game is always the hardest. Um, that, that first save is like, all right, now I'm in it, made a stop. You know, now, now it's time to really, you know, build, build off of this. But if you're having days where, you know, you let up the first five, it's finding other ways to contribute. And it's just focusing on making that first save and knowing that, you know, it's a long game. You can turn it around at any point. Yeah, those are all great tips. I've said that before on this podcast. I also I also believe the first save is the hardest one to make. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's the truth. And we all would love to make the first one, but, you know, that's not the way it works. So there's uh, probably more times than not that you're, you're not going to make the first one. So you've got to just accept that that could be the that could be the case. And if it is, you know, not let it derail you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I want to talk a little bit about how you prepare, um, I guess, physically, are there some specific drills that you like to do? Your, I guess maybe your, if your top five or your top couple of drills that, 
that you use to to improve your goalie game? Yeah, I mean, I it's changed over time. Um, you know, when I was younger, high school, you know, I was I loved seeing shots. Um, you know, I had developed this foundation and knew the correct way to play the position and knew what was working for me. And then, you know, I would go and, you know, just can you know see shots all the time before after practice on the weekends you know I, it's all I wanted to do and it really helped you know allowing me to practice my you know individual stuff and just get used to seeing the ball and, and now as I've gotten older I, I don't do as much of that I do a lot more kind of hand-eye stuff I, I break it down into you know three key components eyes hands and feet and try and do something that helps with each of those um you know, so I'll do a drill where the coach or teammate stands a few yards in front and, and tosses two balls to me at once. And I'm just catching them with my hands and working on, you know, identifying both of them, just focused on the ball. Um, you know, I'll, I'll do a drill where I start all the way on one pipe squared to the coach who's in the front. He'll toss one to the opposite pipe. And I, I just step across again, just with my, my hands without even using my stick just to get my feet moving and engaged. So as I've gotten older, I've, I've tried to, you know, break the position down a little, a little bit more and um, do drills that, you know, work on each of those, you know, little movements that we make, you know, um, you know throughout making a save, um, you know, even before I'm, I'm picking up a stick and going through a warm up or hopping in for practice. Yeah, I think that's been like the natural um, evolution of training goalies, because I, I was the same way, like when I played, you know, college ball back in back in. 2003 that that was my training regiment too is shots you know and, and it really it really helps like don't get me wrong but but like you said there's so many different like individual hand-eye coordination feet training exercises agility exercise so many different now individual elements that can really help uh, a goalie improve their game and and get better in addition to those shots right so i think that's kind of what we're seeing as the natural evolution of, of training goalies w- would you agree with that yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important too. you know, if you're out seeing shots, you have to be two things. One, you have to be, if you're there for yourself to get better, you need to be making sure the shots are the shots you want to be seeing. Um, you know, eight yard step downs from the best shooter on the team that you don't really have a chance to save aren't going to make you get better. So I think it's getting the right type of shots um, and then also working on the right thing. So you know, if you, there's a part of your game that's flawed and, you know, it's, it's not making you better and you're not working on that before getting in the goal and you're just constantly doing the same thing over and over again, you know, seeing shots, I don't think is going to make you much better. Um, you know, if you've got your foundation and, you know, you've gotten all the little pieces put together and you're using that opportunity to just perfect it, I think that's, that's really when that, you know, seeing, seeing more shots is the most beneficial. Um, and then to your point, you know, all those, the little, you know, smaller drills and things that we do, I think all of those are, are a lead up to either building that foundation or, you know, maintaining it, um, you know, not getting lazy. Once you know the right way to do something, just constantly reinforcing it, doing a little drills to make sure that you're staying sharp and doing things the right way. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Any, uh, unconventional things that you do? to train? Um, I do. I mean, a lot of stuff off the field. Um, you know, I, I play a lot of tennis. Uh, I have played a little squash in the past. Um, you know, I do a lot of yoga, um, a few days a week just to stay, you know, flexible and, and limber. So, you know, I think there's a ton of things you can do you know, without a lacrosse stick that ultimately are going to make you a better player in one way or another. Um, you know, that, that's something I think, especially as a, a younger goalie, if, if they're listening, um, you know, to remember that you, there's other ways to get better um, and things that are important outside of just, you know, constantly strapping the equipment on and, and going to play. And uh, I think it also helps you, you know, stay fresh. And, you know, these are all things I, I love to do and they're off the field. So, you know, when I am playing, you know, it's, it's even more, more fun. Cause I'm, I'm not feeling like I'm playing too much or getting burnout from it. So, um, you know, finding some things that you can do out of the goal that, you know, are going to help you when you get in there that, um, you know, 
keep things fresh is uh, I think it's important to, to be able to find those things. Yeah. And especially sports like, like tennis and squash that have so many transferable qualities, you know, like you're seeing a ball and you got to react and explode to it in a particular direction. Um, it's kind of like yeah. you know, what, what we're doing with our bodies as goalies. So those, those are, those, I've, I've heard those repeated quite a bit. Um, you know, when I asked that question amongst elite goalies is tennis squash. Yeah. Those things. Yeah, they're, they're great. I mean, naturally for the hand-eye coordination and the movement that comes with those, um, you know, even the sport like wrestling, you know, that it practices a lot of body control and, and strength and movement, I think is really good. Uh, I, I work with a, a young guy in Philly who is a soccer, a really good soccer player and he makes a ton of saves with his feet. And he's got really good, uh, his, his hands and his feet are in sync. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think it really makes him a much better player because it's like these, you know, he's got this, this uh, extra component to his game. And I, I think that's probably because, you know, he's played soccer and is, is used to having his feet involved and has, you know, really good control over them. So, I mean, you, you name the sport or the activity and you can probably pull a thing or two that's going to help you become a better goalie. Yeah. Absolutely. And how about that yoga? I, I, I've tried it. It's difficult. I'm not, I'm not going to lie, <laughs> but, but it really yeah, it gets uh, goalies. Yeah. a lot of goalies are, are, are doing that yoga. So what, what does that do for your game? I mean, I think it's the best. I, uh, it, it helps in a variety of ways. Like physically, you know, it's, it's much harder than, than people. Um, I, I think assume it is that haven't done it depending on what type you do. So there's all different types of yoga. So, there's some that are easier than others, but I think it's a good, um, what it's helped me most with physically outside of, you know, strength and, and flexibility is, is, is body control and balance, which I think, um, is super, super important for goalies is being balanced when, when you're moving the goal, mm-hmm. uh, having good weight distribution, um, especially in younger goalies, something I think a lot of younger goalies, um, need to work on. And I think yoga helps with that. Um, you know, it strengthens that core. It gives it gives you, you know, just a good good sense of balance and, and being able to move within your body. Um, and a, a lot of what I've learned, you know, through practicing yoga has helped me, you know, with with my movement and and um, and strength and balance on the field. So physically, I think that's you know probably my biggest takeaway from that. And then it's just a good mental activity as well. Um, you know, being able to focus on breath and um, you know, even when your heart rate gets up and you're in the middle of a practice, um, you know, being able to kind of breathe through it and, you know, slow your heart rate down and kind of take control of your thoughts, you know, it kind of sounds, you know, cheesy, but it's really, you know, relatable to what we're doing in goal as goalies and the whole mental part of our position that, um, is super, super, super important. Totally. Yeah, totally. Um, with all your experience now, is there a particular piece of goalie advice you'd give the young Drew Adams? Um, you know, I think, um, you know, every, everything's easier in hindsight. I, you know, I think I was really fortunate as a kid to, you know, lo- love playing goalie and love playing lacrosse and, you know, kind of went at everything full steam ahead and learned as I went. Um, which is one way to do it. I think looking back, um, you know, I, I think I would have liked to have developed my, um, my skills outside of the goal a little bit more. Um, at a younger age, uh, learned to be a better leader. I think I was always so focused on, you know, my task at hand, which was to save the ball, to clear the ball and, you know, just have, you know, that was always kind of like what I spent my time on. And I think, um, as I've gotten older, I've understood, you know, the leadership component of the position and, you know, kind of the on field coach, um, you know, that the goalie, the goalie assumes, especially on the defensive end. And I think, uh, I would in hindsight would have liked to have gotten more comfortable in that role earlier on, uh, been, been a little bit more of a student of the game, um, in general, um, versus just what I was focused on specifically. Um, a lot of my peers, other goalies that I've played with have been, you know, really good when it came to, you know, directing a defense and, you know, knowing where guys were supposed to be on the field and how, you know, packages work and all of that. 
stuff, um, which has never been my my strength. Um, and I think it could have been something if learned earlier on that could have helped me um, a lot more as I got older. So I think a young goalie now, you know, needs to look at getting better more holistically and, and not just think about, you know, getting better, saving the ball and clearing it, but also getting better at that um, leadership part where, you know, you should be that coach on the field and you should really have a good understanding of how the game works and how you want your defense to operate. Yeah, that's a great point. That was a really great point. How, how did you go about learning leadership? Uh, I think for, for me, a lot of it was, you know, kind of um, learned by, by doing, um, you know, playing on teams where I had to assume that role and, you know, kind of figured, figured out how to do it well as, as I was put in the position to do it. Um, you know, part of it was learning from guys that I've played with. Um, I've played on some, some teams with some really, really good leaders and guys that, you know, kind of set, set a good example of how things were supposed to be done. Uh, and then the final part was, you know, and this is more recent, but just, you know, reading more about leaders and, you know, following other people on, on social media, guys that are in leadership positions, seeing how they act and carry themselves and some takeaways that you can get from people like that. So it's really a combination of, of the three of those, you know, learning by being in the, being in the situation, you know, learning from example by other, other players, and then, you know, having, uh, you know, just a more, more interest in, in learning from other people outside of the lacrosse community as well. Yeah, it's a great answer. Uh, what about like when you, when you go into a new, a new team, a new environment? So, you know, for you, when you first arrived at Penn State or when you first joined the Lizards or when you first joined Team USA or now, you know, with the new, when you first step onto the field with your PLL team, when, when you're with a new group of guys, do those three elements still hold true or there's some other uh, things that you bring to, to, to be a leader amongst like a new set of a new set of teammates. Yeah, I think, um, there's a, there's certain standards that, um, I want to hold myself to and, 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 you know, hoping and expecting teammates and coaches and organization to do the same. Um, you know, on a, at this level, it's those standards are, are met normally by, by everyone because, everyone's kind of developed their own standards as they've gotten better and played at higher levels. And, you know, there's a lot of similarities now and everyone has high standards and high expectations. Um, So at this level, you know, most of those things are, are accomplished without setting them or even speaking about them. If if you didn't need to, Um, you know, at a younger level where if you're middle school, high school, even, you know, a college athlete, um, you know, sometimes those, standards really need to be identified and you know everyone needs to know what's expected um you know in order to to hit them and and maintain them um so anytime you're with a new group i think it's good to you know you know communicate and, and be open to you know what you think the standard needs to be um relative to you know whatever the, the topic is um, you know, so everyone knows, you know, what they need to be doing, what they need to work towards. Yeah, that's a great point. And then even, you know, part of being a leader is once you've identified amongst that team, like what the standard is and what you're working for, it's calling people out who are not, who are not doing that. Right. I mean, you, you see a guy goofing off during practice, you know, leader, leaders call him out. And I, I think you gain a lot of respect amongst your teammates when you do that if everyone has agreed that you know this is what we're working for right yeah absolutely i think um you know the first part of that is making sure that you're you're exceeding whatever the standard is yourself because you always you always got to look in the mirror first um no no one's going to listen to you if you're telling them to do something that you're not doing um but as long as you know you're doing what you need to be doing and then some i think then that gives you the ability to make sure everyone else is following suit. Um, yeah, I, I was reading recently being down here in Philly, Eagles coming off a of Super Bowl, you know, last year, all the pieces came together for them. And um, one of the players, uh, I think it was Jason Kelsey, um, said, had a quote last week about how, you know, guys aren't, aren't there's no accountability in the locker room this year. Um, you know, how guys, you know, are, 
operating below their standard and no one's calling them out for it. There's no accountability. And, you know, to me, that was like, oh man, I, I've seen that before and, and know um, the result of that. And obviously they're, they're having a tough season. So you, you know, the, the proof is kind of in the results, but um, yeah, I think being able to, you know, identify the standard and then have everyone aligned and then, you know, be able to call guys out when they're not living up to it is a, is a formula that ultimately is going to help teams be successful. And, um, you know, goalies being leaders on the team, um, just by nature of the position, I think need to be, you know, aware of, aware of that. Yeah, absolutely. A while back you mentioned, you know, learning leadership from other, I don't know, is it business leaders or political leaders? Who, who are those, who are those folks? And like, what, what were some of the things you're, you're learning there? Yeah. Well, I mean, I've, I've had played with so many good teammates. Um, you know, a few that have, have stuck out um, early on in my Lizards career. Um, Tim Gettleman, who was uh, an attackman, um, you know, had had a terrific career, had been in the MLL, um, you know, since the beginning. Uh, and he was, you know, towards the end of his career when I was just starting my. And I just remember I would take the train out from New York with a bunch of the other, from, uh, from New York City with a bunch of the other younger guys. And, you know, Tim would pick us up at the train and drive us to practice. Um, and just a little thing like that, you know, he's got a family and kids at home. He's going out of his way to, you know, sit at the train station, the way for us to get off the train, pick us up and drive us to practice was just like, you know, it was kind of eye opening me and just saying, man, this is a guy that's been, you know, around for a long time. He's had a ton of success and he's still taking the time to help us, uh, regardless of whether we're even playing or helping him, you know, on the field is, is was, was really cool. That always stuck out. And then, you know, when he was on the field, he was vocal and he worked his butt off and kind of backed everything up. So on the professional level that, you know, was kind of my introduction, um, you know, to a guy that was pretty selfless and was, uh, you know, willing to do whatever it, it took to, to make you feel part of the team and ultimately just created a great culture in our locker room. We, we ended up in the second year making it to the championship of loss, but regardless, was, was you know, still, still had what it took to get there from, from a culture perspective. Awesome. Awesome. Changing gears a little bit. Was, was there a time that in your career that you went through a slump and, and how did you get out of that? Oh yeah. I mean, I think I go through slumps every season. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, uh, like I, like I said earlier, I, I think, you know, it's, it's being able to accept the fact that you're going to, to struggle at times. Um, you know, is what, what, what allows you to get through it. If you think everything's always going to be perfect and you're never going to have a bad game or a few bad games in a row, you know, when it does happen, it's going to be harder to get through because you're not going to be prepared mentally to get through. Um, so I think, you know, knowing that you're going to go and do your best every game and you're going to have great game, you're going to have great game seasons, but there's going to be those eb ebbs and flows throughout, um, you know, is important to identify. Um, I think just having perspective as well, knowing that, you know, whatever your ultimate goal is, is, is normally not going to get thrown off by just a bad game or two bad games. Um, you know, normally, you know, your success or failure is determined over a, you know, a bigger course of work, um, you know, over an entire season. So, you know, being able to bounce back from a few, a few bad games, um, you know, and, and kind of come through that and, and continue to play better and better is, is important. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's, um, you know, a lot of times goalies write me and they're, you know, they're in a slump and I keep trying to explain that everyone goes through it. Uh, but it's just great to hear, you know, three time MLL goalie of the year has a slump every year. Right. So oh, you, yeah. you're not alone, right? You're not alone. <laughs> absolutely. And each one of those seasons, you know, I had some really bad games, um, you know, and it's just, again, it's, it's the course of work you're looking at. You're not looking at just an individual game, um, you know, and it's, it's knowing that, you know, it's part of the position we play. It's a really, really hard position. Um, you know, you're not expected to do well all the time. Um, you know, you, your goal is to play great every time you step on the field. The reality is it's impossible because, of what, what we do is so difficult to do. 
um, ultimately, you know, your success or failure is going to be based and judged off of, you know, a larger body of work and, and not just a few games. Absolutely. Yep. And you got to keep that big picture in mind. Are you, um, are you a big pre-ritual guy, Drew? Uh, no, I actually, um, have, have tried to like completely rid myself of any superstitions or pregame things. Um, at one point I, I was, I started finding myself like becoming dependent on, you know, doing this or that. And it's the nature of the MLL especially, but it's very hard to maintain a routine because it's how many, you know, variables that there are prior to a game. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I found was that as soon as I got comfortable in a routine, it would inevitably be thrown off by something Uh and getting thrown off would cause way more harm than the routine ever did good. Um, so I've kind of gotten to the point now where, you know, you know, there's little things that I, I, I try and do. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I think my mindset is more open to, Hey, you know, whatever takes place before the game is going to be what it is. And when it time, when it comes time to, you know, step out onto the field and perform, you know, you've, you've, you've got to, you've got to be able to do so regardless of what's happened leading up. Yeah. I think I was talking to some goalie, I think it was Brian Phipps and he was, you know, his pregame ritual was a blue Gatorade and like one game. Yeah. You know, <laughs> he find it, right. So him driving all over town, trying to find your blue Gatorade. Yeah. But, but you're right. Yeah. You know, the, the more, um, the more elaborate your pregame rituals are, the more they can get thrown off. So it's good if you can get into that mental state, that solid zone without anything. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, exactly that. And I I get the other side of it too. I know, you know, guys like the routine, but that's just my, my personal, um, my personal experience has taught me that, you know, being more open to, you know, some different things prior to a game has served, served me better individually. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about the mental game because obviously, you know, we, we've touched on it a little bit throughout this chat, but you know, you've got to be mentally strong to excel in this position. So I'm curious, you know, what are some things that you do to remain mentally tough? I mean, my biggest thing is just having some perspective. Um, you know, I have a lot of it now being older, but even even as a younger goalie, keeping you know things in perspective in terms of priorities and, and realizing. Um, you know, that lacrosse really at the end of the day is, is, is a game and whether you're the best player or the worst player, um, it really does not make a huge difference in the quality of your life or, you know, um, how you, you know, you, you evaluate yourself or others. So, um, for me, I've always tried to understand that whether I have the best game or the worst game, you know, I still have got a lot of great things, a great family, mm-hmm. um, you know, great work, great things to focus on and that, you know, this is an outlet for me, something I absolutely love to do. And it's a huge part of who I am and, and what I do in life. But um, it's just a piece of a bigger puzzle. Um, and that, you know, whether I have success or failure, it, it's not the end of the world one way or the other. Yeah, that's really, really important to keep in mind. I mean, we're we're playing the game that we love and, you know, it's with friends and, and, and you got to approach it with, with joy and and keep perspective like you said because at the end of the day it is a game right Um, yep yeah absolutely and I I think you know I try and remind myself of that before every game you know during a national anthem I'll take that time to kind of reflect and think of things and it's usually a thought that comes to mind a lot is you know looking around at the guys you're in line with and just seeing you know how good of friends that you are and how awesome of an opportunity it is to be be doing what you're doing Um, you know whether it's prior to an MLL game or, you know, out at a, a, you know, a club game, you know, during a hot summer month, um, you know, the, the opportunity there is the same. Um, I think youth players put a lot of, um, you know, value in, in playing well at certain events. And, you know, obviously there's the recruiting component that comes into play a lot. And the reality is, you know, the, the, the best players are going to get recruited to the best schools. And, you know, you might only have, a window uh, or two to, to get seen. But um, regardless, you know, if you are playing well and doing the right things, things always work out. So you shouldn't put too much weight in, you know, just one game or one opportunity. Yeah, it's a great point, you know, and, and you just got to have faith that 
this, it's going to work out the, for what's best for you. You know what I mean? Like a lot of people have aspirations of playing D1 lacrosse, but maybe that's not the best thing for them. You know, I mean, maybe they end up playing D2 or D3 or MCLA and they get this playing time um, and have just a great college experience, you know? So, so you gotta, gotta have faith that this process is going to work out for you, I think. Yeah, absolutely. I, I can honestly say that I never seen someone who has been focused on doing the right things over an extended period of time not have things work out for them. Um, you know, even if their ultimate goal of going and playing at John Hopkins maybe wasn't met, you know, they still were able to go play somewhere and have an awesome experience and make lifelong friends and get an education. And, you know, all these things that at the end of the day, when you look back are, are, you know, arguably as important or more important than playing at one school or another. Um, so as long as you're focused on doing the right things and, you know, you're executing on them over an extended period of time, thing, things will, will 100% work out for you. Um, even if, you, it, they take you uh, on a little bit different of a path than you had envisioned, you know, originally envisioned for yourself. Yeah, hundred percent agree. I think life is like that, huh? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You yeah. got to keep your head down and focused and work hard. And um, you know, there, I, it's crazy how many life lessons you learn through sports um, and, and lacrosse in particular. How many things you know I go through on a day to day basis off the field that I can relate back to sports and say, Oh, I've been in a similar situation as this. And, you know, from my experience, it's going to work this way or that way. Ultimately it's going to work out. So, um, always, there's always lessons to be learned. Totally. Totally. I mean, for me as, you know, not a professional goalie, I, I work in an office and I, all these skills that I learned in the crease on the field of leadership and, and, you know, being responsible and being accountable. I mean, that all transfers right in, right into the workplace as well. And you become like a great asset to your team. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, and it's, we're, we're not biased by saying that either since we're both team sport guys, there's a lot of evidence in how, you know, team sports, um, you know, often produce great workers, um, people that are capable of being part of companies and teams and, um, providing a lot of, a lot of value. Um, and a lot of that has to do with their, their skills learned through, uh, through team sports in particular. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So now you do quite a bit of, uh, of coaching of goalies, right? I do. Yeah. That's a, a big part of, of what I do. That's awesome. Um, I want to ask a few questions about that. What, um, what would you say are some common mistakes you see young goalies or even maybe even young goalie coaches making? Uh, there's, there's a lot. Um, I think big picture, um, as a coach, you should understand, and I touched on this earlier, that there's not a right or wrong way to to do, uh, to play. Uh, and I think a lot of coaches, whether they played goalie or, or not have this idea of what works best and try and get every goalie to fit that mold. Um, the reality is that every kid is going to play a little bit differently. Uh, and you've got to put them in a position to be able to, you know, grow, um, and figure out what, what's going to suit them best. Now you can help them along the way, um, you know, give them the right guidance to, to figure that out. But it's really hard. And I see often, you know, kid will say, Oh, my, my coach told me to play this way. Um, and it, it might be what works for that coach, but it's not what's going to work best for the, for that kid. Um, so I, I think there needs to be an understanding there that there's a, uh, there's a ton of different ways to be successful and, you know, good coaches are going to, you know, uh, allow the player to um, kind of almost decide that for themselves while guiding them through that process. Um, you know, to be more specific, I see, um, you know, a lot, a lot of coaches uh, just talked about step, stepping to the ball, right? That's like goalie 101. Mm-hmm. Um, whether you play the position or not, you know, coaches are going to say, oh, so that, that went in because you didn't step. That's like the first thing a, a coach will say when you give up a goal. Um, whether you stepped or not, it's, oh, step to the ball, step to the ball. Now, there's a lot more that goes into that than just stepping, you know, to the ball. I see um, 
coaches talk about being explosive a lot, stepping out at the shooter. I hear, I hear that phrase. And it, you never want to step right out at the shooter and, and then reach to the ball. You want to find the angle that the ball's coming in at and step around the ball. Um, you know, your objective when you step is to, you know, one is to put your hands in a position to make the save because that's ultimately what, how we want to save the ball if we can. And then the second objective is to, to get your body in a position to, you know, get behind it if, if your hands aren't able to make the save. Um, you know, so having a, a strategy around that, um, you know, is important. Um, you know, identifying what, what the goal is, not just to explode, but to explode in a certain direction in a certain way, you know, um, is, is important. Um, so that's just, that's like on a more micro level, but one thing that I, I see a lot, um, big picture, you know, coaches should understand that everyone's a little different and, um, you know, try and help kids develop their own game and, and play to their strengths. Yeah. That's, that's a really good point. You, you know, for coaches that maybe don't have that goalie background or goalie experience, you do hear that all the time, step to the ball, step to the ball. And, you know, it's, I mean, I think their heart's in the right place, but there's a lot of things going on, especially for a youth goalie. I mean, maybe you drew weren't scared of the ball right, right out of the gate, but a lot of goalies are, you know, like oh, it's, 100%. it's, it's yep. not a natural thing to have that, to have, you know, some big kid, you know, step down and crank a shot at you and you're flinching, right? So how can you step yep. to the ball when you've got that flinching instinct? So part of being a goalie coach is understanding that that exists and just working it out of the goalie, you know, through, through drills, because I'll yeah. tell you, you'll probably say it, 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 you can get over that and you will with repetition. Yeah, you, you can. And I, I think, I mean, that's a great example. I, you know, I'll have coaches before I go and coach will come up and say, Oh, he's, he's great. He's just a little afraid of getting hit with the ball. And it's like, well, no, of course he is. Like everyone is, I still hate getting hit with the ball. Um, but to your point, you can do certain things to help them get over it. Um, you know, a lot of, um, you know, I think getting younger goalies excited about playing the position and, and developing that foundation that I talked about has to do with putting them in the right position with the right drills. Um, you know, not just letting them get shelled in practice. It's when you develop bad habits, when, you know, you're getting shelled in practice, you're worried about getting hit with the ball you know, everything that you're supposed to be doing kind of gets thrown out the window and you just are start protecting yourself. Um, you know, you're, you're stepping the wrong way, you know, you're flinching, all those little things that if you start developing those habits early on because of the environment that you're in are, are going to be really hard to change later on. Um, so coaches should really, you know, be aware of that. And, and if they want their goal is to, to, to grow and, and, and turn into good players, they need to be, you know, helping them along the way. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great point. It's something for, you know, coaches or parents to watch for in practice. Like, cause I, I've had practices myself and I've just lost it. Like I'm, you know, I'm getting shelled and I'm just not there and it's actually better to pull them out um, at that point and regroup mentally. Right. Because you're not, you're not doing them any favors by, in fact, you're just only reinforcing bad habits by keeping them in there. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. Um, What's your, uh, what's your current stick setup these days, Drew? Oh man, I, um, I use a, a Maverick, uh, shaft, a Maverick A1 shaft I've used for a while now. Um, you know, got a good balance. It's light. Um, it's got some grip on it, which I like. It always ask me all the time, the length. Um, you know, I don't, again, there's not a right or wrong answer. I would always, uh, error on having a shorter stick versus a longer stick. Um, you know, I don't think anyone should play with a factory length goalie shaft. I think that's just too long. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually cut, cut, I usually start with the factory length and cut it down a few inches. Um, I think a rule of thumb that, that I've went by, you, you know, usually was like when you put your stick on the ground, the head of your stick should come up to like your sternum somewhere in that range. Um, so obviously that'll be different depending on how tall you are. Um, and then for my, uh, head, um, I've used a, a, a bunch of different ones. Uh, I mean, we could, we could probably do a whole podcast on, you know, string or goalie stick. Um, yeah, sure. and it's a shame because it plays such an important role in your success as a goalie is, is the stick. Um, 
because if you don't have the right pocket, you're going to give up a lot of rebounds potentially if the pocket's too, too shallow, but if it's too, you know, too deep, you can't throw. It's just this constant balance. Um, and a, a lot of young goalies, when I go and coach, you know, have terrible form on their throws or can't make a simple pass. And I look at their stick and, and no one could throw the right way with it. Um, you know, so it's, it's something that, you know, unfortunately is a reality of our position that, um, you know, hopefully one day might be a little bit different, but, um, you know, being able to have a stick that you can throw confidently with, you know, investing in, um, spending some money to get someone to string it the right way with the right type of mesh, um, you know, can really make a big difference, um, you know, in your, in your success. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to link up to a couple of stick stringers. Cause I, I think that's a really important point. I I'm not a very good stick stringer myself, uh, but I've seen and played with bad sticks and seen and played with good sticks. And you're right. It's, it's a tremendous, uh, difference. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, when I was younger, I used to string my own sticks and then, uh, I realized that I wasn't good at it compared to some of these guys that are really, you know, know what they're doing. Um, you know, so while I was younger and thought it was cool to say I was stringing my own sticks, uh, as I got older, I realized I'd rather just have someone else do it, do it much better than I ever could. Um, you know, and then just be able to kind of tweak it up as I saw, I saw necessary. Um, you know, I, I think it's a good skill to have a kid, you know, wants to try and string his own stick and, you know, figure out how to do it. Some, some guys, the stick I played for, for, you know, my first five seasons in the MLL, I got strung um, by a high school, a high school kid on Long Island um, who I had actually worked with um, a few times and, he, you know, he strung an unbelievable stick and he was kind of just my, my go-to guy. Um you know, and now, and now I've got another guy that I use, but you, you've got to find someone that you're, you're comfortable with. And, um, you know, ultimately, although it's, it's cool to be able to say you're, you're able to do it yourself. Um, you know, I, I would put more value in having it properly done versus, um, you know, being able to call out that you did it yourself. Yeah, for sure. And, and what kind of, what kind of head and, and mesh are you using these days? Um, I use a, uh, <laughs> Brian eraser, I think is what I used last year. I'm, I'm honestly not really up to date on, um, most of the heads that are out there, but I, I used an eraser. I've used, um, I've used Maverick heads in the past. I've used, um, the warrior, uh, nemesis one and two. And, um, I, I played with an eclipse all through college and I know the um the eclipse two it, it seems like a pretty um pretty awesome head although I haven't pl- I haven't played with it yet uh, and then mesh wise I've used um thrown a string before uh, I use um, east east coast eyes and I think maybe Gimalax once or twice but right now either thrown a string or um east coast is what I uh, what I use non non wax mesh I use like a you know, I think 12 diamonds, a little bit harder, um, whatever, you know, I don't, I don't know all the terminology at this point, but, uh, I know I don't use wax cause I couldn't throw with it. Nice. Nice. Any, um, I guess one last piece of goalie advice you want to leave for the, for the young goalies listening. Yeah, I think, you know, my advice would be, um, to have, make sure you're having fun with the position. Um, you know, make sure you're looking forward to, to playing, uh, regardless of if it's a practice or a game. Um, you know, uh, my, my second piece of advice would be to be a student of the game. Um, the best way to get better is to watch other people play, you know, really understand the game, um, not just, you know, on how you can improve, you know, physically, but like I said earlier on, you know, figuring out what it takes to be a good leader and really understanding the ins and outs of lacrosse in general. Um, you know, is, is, is really, uh, important. And then the third piece would just be to, you know, understand that, you know, time is your, your time as a player is limited. Um, you know, you're not going to be able to play forever and, uh, you know, have that in mind when you're out there running around with your friends and, and, and you know, getting sweaty, getting dirty, um, you know, appreciate every moment that you have to spend with your teammates and play, playing a game that hopefully you really enjoy. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank you so much for, uh, for, for coming on um, and, you know, sharing your wisdom with the listeners out there. I think, 
you know, lacrosse is in a very um, interesting moment in time when you've got, you know, the best guys in the game willing to do podcasts like this and kind of give back and teach and learn. Because I, I guarantee if I was doing a basketball podcast, you know, Steph Curry's not returning my phone calls. So, um, you know, <laughs> has had a really awesome time. Uh, I wish you nothing but success in the PLL. That's got to be very exciting. And congrats on, on that opportunity and making that move. And um, if people want to learn a little bit more about you, where should they, where should they go? Yeah. Um, well, f- first and foremost, thanks for having me on. Uh, I always, I always love, um, you know, talking about lacrosse and even more specifically talking about, um, you know, our position and goalies. And uh, I was really fortunate to have a ton of help along the way in my career. So, um, you know, I always hope to be able to pay that forward in, in, in some uh, regard. So, for anyone that that listened to this, I, I hope you um, you know were able to take a few things away from it, and uh, I certainly wish you the best. And uh, if you do want to learn more, I uh, I guess my only real social handle right now is my my Instagram, and uh, I, that is at Drew Adams fourteen, um, where I put uh, put some training stuff up there, you know, some stuff from my personal life. Um, not not super active, but uh, I'm definitely definitely on there. So that's where you can find me. Awesome, Drew. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you. It was uh, it was my pleasure. So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed that chat with one of the best goalies in our game today. That's the great Drew Adams. Very well-spoken guy. Very passionate about goalies. And you know what? He knows his stuff. Lots of great insights in there that goalies and coaches can put into use. So that's the show for this week. I hope you enjoyed it. It's January, so we know lacrosse season will be upon us soon. And now is the time to start getting your lax goalie specific work in. Get out there. Be well. I'm Coach Damon Wilson. You've been listening to the Lax Goalie Rat Podcast with your host, Coach Damon Wilson. 